Hi guys, Colleen Hunt from Gluten-Free Gold, based in Delega, Panama. And uh, I really don't know what to talk about today. I did my first workout for the day. I did some dancing tutorials, and I'm still chicken about posting the dances. But I'm going to try and work on that today. Um, you know what, you... Uh, at, at times like this, you look back at what's important. Um, I spent uh, uh, probably from 15 to 35, I've spent trying to keep ahead of the bills, trying to keep food on the table trying to keep the kids fed and clothed. I'm sweating up a storm. And um, that's what my life consisted of. Um, I'd work uh, nights so I could be with the kids. I, I was a parent just after I turned 16. And I'd work... Uh, to put food on the table and I think when I was 18 I started working in the bars and when I was working in the bars they just turned changed the law to, to the legal drinking age in Ontario was 19 and um, but I was in there so much with my false ID that they um they didn't check my ID anymore. And then when I asked for a job, they let me have a job. And I worked bars for uh, 13 years, uh, waitressing and bartending. And it was, uh, at the time, fun. You had live music, you got attention, you got to party. Um, and then when I had all the kids, it was... Um, it was a way for me to ha be home with kids during the day and still work. But I'd work till two or so in the morning, get home two thirty-three, but I was still up at six or seven in the morning with the kids. So, so for 16 years of my life, it was, uh, scrambling to, to, to make ends meet. And then when I graduated, I think I was 34, 35, I graduated from school. I went back. I had quit school in grade nine. I had went back for upgrading when I was uh, 27, 28, I think. I uh, went back to my old high school, and I got up to grade 11, I think it was, in all my courses. So I would get up in the morning, get the two older kids to school, get the two younger kids packed up, push them in one of those, you know, those heavy, heavy-duty uh, baby buggies with the huge wheels and the shocks on them. I'd walk over to my aunt's place, and she'd look after the babies. Then I'd walk over to the high school, and I'd go to high school till 2. I'd go pick up the kids, go home, get supper on, and then go to work, be at work for four, four thirty 
work till 2.33 in the morning and then do this all over again. And I remember the kids bugging me and they were saying, why? And I went back to high school because it was free. And uh, they said, why are you trying so hard with your classes? And at the time, for me to be able to go to school and work, I needed uh, babysitters. Um, my husband at the time said I could go to school as long as I kept bringing an income in. And that his supper was on the table at five o'clock and it didn't disturb his, his uh, activities. And I said, okay. So then when I did my homework, it was during my breaks. Uh, I had a lunch break, I think it was. And also between that three o'clock and six o'clock in the morning, I would try and do my homework. And I finished grade 11 with uh, honors. But yeah, I remember when the kids were saying, why are you trying so hard? It's because I said I was paying $600 a month for babysitting to be able to go to school. So I was going to make the best of it. And luckily at that time, I think it was, like I said, 28, 29, um, when I uh, signed out of school, the uh, one of the new secretaries said, said, make sure you get a permission note from your mother. And I looked at one of the other secretaries that knew me from when I was there before in grade nine, and she says she doesn't need one because she is the mother. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I remember doing that. And then w when I graduated, I, uh, I applied everywhere. I uh, graduated as an instrumentation tech. And when I went to the college, anyone, uh, there were very, very, very few women in the dominantly male trades. And in the one building I was in where all the trades were, uh, there would be maybe a hundred females that would sign up in September, August, September. And over 50% of them were gone after the first semester. I don't know if they discovered that it wasn't what they liked or it was the constant hassling of the men. Um, you had to grow a really thick, thick skin. But um, I was in my second year. It was a two-year course, and um, I realized I was an alcoholic. And I went and talked to my uh, the director of my program, and he said, well, I told him what was wrong. And he said, well, decide what to do. And I went to the, the classes and the guys, because they knew that I wouldn't give up, they were really, really good. They said, well, we can get you to graduate. I said, but the, what the point is, if you guys get me to graduate, how am I going to do the job? Like they were not going to be with me when I went to work. 
So I had to suck it up and uh, take my second year uh, over again, which was a good thing. And then I, I graduated and I looked for work, like I said, and nobody, nobody would hire me because I was a woman. Um, anybody that, that, um, oh, my allergies are bugging me. Anybody that, that, um, worked at a town in my field, they paired up with another guy for the hotel rooms and none of the companies will put themselves in the place of having a woman having a, her own room or a woman having, um, sharing a room with a, a married man. And then, um, all the laws in Ontario, Canada started coming out that you had to have a certain percentage of your workforce female you had to have this and then they gave incentive programs if you hired somebody that was on mother's allowance if you hired somebody that was a welfare if you hired uh, somebody with disabilities the companies got more money so I think I was five or six months no work and I was in, um, I went back to school again. I went, if I can't get a job in this, I'm going to go back. And I started school for being a millwright. And I got a phone call from a paper plant that wanted to interview me. And um, I talked to my director of my program that time. And he said, you know what? He said, there's very few places that are hiring. I would go take a look. So I had the, the interview, and it was with the board of the company. Now, some people have experience with uh, interviews of one person or two people. And I have always had the joy of experiencing huge amounts of people. And one, the president of the company tried to, what I think was trick me. He said, so you're an alcoholic? I said, yeah. He said, so how long are you going to be? And I said, for the rest of my life. He said, oh, okay. And I, I, and I went after the interview and, oh, damn, I, I screwed up my, my interview. But he had a friend that was alcoholic, so he knew what the correct answer was. And he was just seeing, um, I guess, what frame of mind I was in. But I got, I got that job, and it was a job as a shift maintenance person. So I was, uh, that was in 85, 86. So I would have been 30, 35. No, I was, yeah, I was 35 or something like that, 35. And so they taught you uh, hoisting and rigging. They taught you uh, electrical safety. They taught you um, how to change motors out, how to do, like, everything possible that you could possibly do on that shift. Because you would be day shift where everybody was there, or you were night shift, and there were 12-hour shifts, and night shift, and you were the only person there. And on night shift, you had this huge plant. It was a plant that used to be a paper mill. And what they were taking is they would take corrugated cardboard and recycle it to, uh, no, they would take garbage and make corrugated cardboard. So 
the equipment was really old and if if you um something happened you had to figure out what the problem was within 20 minutes and then you'd have the lead hand or the shift supervisor getting on your case and saying um can you fix it do you need more time if so they would slow down the process but the one thing that they didn't want to do is they didn't want to shut it down because if you shut the process down it cost them tens of thousands of dollars an hour and the equipment was so old you couldn't guarantee that it would start again so that was a very 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 stressful job but it was a job that i was start starting to get paid the same as a man but i've i've had all my life that i was getting paid less than i worked for another company for on and off for 15 years and i found out that even though i had uh, one of the highest in seniority because i was the uh second maintenance person for the company because i was a woman and they hired me at such a low base um the other guys that started they were making like 20,000 a year more than me. And I was the one in charge of uh, several equipments and I had the best maintenance um, record of my equipment. But they said, you know what? Uh, I remember one interview they said to us, they said, said to me, they said, you know what? A few of you guys that were hired so cheap, if we brought you up, to the level of what your coworkers were at, our entire budget for raises will be gone. What the hell, man? What the hell? I don't know how this conversation got on this, but I remember there, there's always been uh, inequality with, with, um, my interviews and, and jobs. I, I remember there was one, there was one, think about this. There was one and I must've been, my daughter was about 18. So I would have been 38 or so. And I was working as a shift maintenance person in Detroit for a solar panel company. And I had been applying for other jobs so that my husband could, he, he worked in Toronto, I worked in Detroit. We were both applying for jobs that we could work in the same place. And I applied for a job at an LED factory because they were working on making LED lights. It wasn't... Um, something that was out there it was a crazy idea as far as everyone else was concerned who would ever think that leds would replace fluorescence and when i went for that job interview it was in raleigh north carolina and they flew me in and paid for my hotel and my meals and stuff and the interview day was an eight hour day with 
a person every 30 minutes interviewing me for a maintenance job. It wasn't for saving lives. It was a maintenance job. So needless to say, I didn't get the job. My electronics are, are not up to snuff of what they should be. But anyways, what I'm getting to is with all these jobs and work experience and stuff that I have, I always felt that I was an imposter. I always felt that I never knew enough. I always felt that if you knew what I knew, you'd fire me on the spot. And I worked really, really hard to get rid of that feeling. But no matter how much I learned or how much I did or how much I worked, I always had that imposter feeling. It's like um, with my gluten-free business. When I first started baking, I thought, yeah, people always said they loved my baking, but that's when they were getting it for free. It's a totally different thing when you ask for someone to take their wallet out and take the money out of their wallet and exchange it for something you made. That's a totally different. Um, and there, there would be the impost. That's why I've, I've worked so hard to establish our quality level because I figure if, if you're going to reach into your wallet and take your money out and exchange it for something I baked, that better be the best thing you've ever tasted of that item. That better be the freshest. That better be the best. Because my name's on it. And I'm saying it is the best. And I have no imposter feelings about that. Because when I say I've tried and done my best, and it is the best. It is. That was never the way for me for when I worked, ever. And it took me, I worked 15 years in, in the field for maintenance, mechanic. And I would study, and I would take courses, and I would follow the guys around, and I would ask so many questions so that I would shove as much information in my head so that when I was asked to do something or asked to fix something, the information was there. But the funny thing is, my heart wasn't there because as soon as I shoved it in, it came out. But if it was something with gardening or something with baking, it stuck. So I think that was my first sign that, that I wasn't in what I was supposed to. But the job served its purpose. It made it able for me to buy a house. It made it able for me to have cars. It made it able to put clothes on my kids' back and food on the table. And when the point came that the kids weren't home anymore, then I looked for something that I enjoyed. This is a really weird life. Anyways, you guys keep learning how to do stuff. Enjoy life. I'm going to be dancing some more today. And um, 
very weird day. Colleen Hunt, gluten-free gold, based in the Lake of Panama. Bye.